0: I suck at recording podcasts! Hi, welcome back to the Life in Savzai's podcast. I'm Savannah, and this is a podcast where we talk about lifestyle, and teaching, and anything else that I feel like talking about. Mental health, physical health. I talked about rentals last time. Um, I literally... Have had the goal of, when I get out of school, I'm going to get the blog going again. I'm going to get the um, podcast up and going. And I've been out of school for almost a month. And I had no ideas. I'm like, I don't know what to put on the blog. I don't know what to talk about on the podcast. Like, I've literally struggled so hard with inspiration. Trying to figure out what I want to do. Trying to figure out how I'm going to do everything. Anyway... I've had a couple podcast ideas pop into my head. So you're going to get some podcast episodes coming and I'm excited. However, I still suck at ideas for the blog. So if anyone has anything they want to see on the blog, which is at com, go check it out. Um, Let me know. I can talk about teaching stuff. I can talk about... I'm sure y'all are sick of mental health and physical health, because that's all I talk about. Because that's literally all I'm dealing with right now. I can talk about college. I can talk about literally whatever. (laughs) So, just let me know. So, today we're going to talk a little bit about true crime. And a little bit about, like cop shows like cop tv shows like the drama shows because that's what I want to talk about right now um anyway let's get going i don't know how many of you are into true crime i'm obsessed with true crime before being on anxiety medication i would research true crime to the point where i couldn't sleep now that i'm on anxiety medication I literally watch true crime, police TV, stuff like that, to go to sleep. So, I mean, a lot has changed. But those of you who are into true crime, do you have a true crime case that has just stuck with you for whatever reason? Like, it's the one that you can tell everyone a ton of things about and... It's the one that you like can never get out of your mind kind of a thing. I have two and I'm going to talk about both of them today. Okay. First one is Ted Bundy and I feel like a lot of people feel the same way about Ted Bundy as I do. If you haven't seen the Ted Bundy what is it? Ted Bundy tapes on Netflix, it's amazing. It's a little creepy. But I was obsessed. I watched them all. It's like four episodes. I watched them all in a day. And then I researched the crap out of Ted Bundy. And then the new movie, which I never can remember the name of. It's on Netflix. It's got Zac Efron and that cute little girl that I can't... She's not little. She's older than me. But she's so tiny. And I can't remember her name. Lily something. But that one's one's amazing. And it's kind of creepy to see Zac Efron playing... Um, Ted Bundy, but he does it pretty dang well, which is really scary because I always picture Zach Efron on, on um, High School Musical, so it's weird to see him play murder. Anyway, the Ted, Ted Bundy is one that stuck with me. One, because he was in Utah for a very long time, and if you don't know the Ted Bundy story, Go watch the tapes before you finish this podcast. Like, I'm not going to go into depth about Ted Bundy because a lot of people know Ted Bundy. Anyway. But he was here in Utah in the 80s. He murdered a bunch of women. There was a lady up at one of the malls that he attempted to kidnap and she got away. And that's what finally convicted him. But at that point, he'd kill people in Colorado and stuff like that. So he was prosecuted in Colorado. But that always trips me out, especially because if you go through Utah cold case log online, like you can find a log of all the Utah cold cases. There are several on there that they either have never found a body or they found a body and they're like assumed killed. Like we assume they were killed by Ted Bundy, but we have no proof because Ted Bundy didn't confess to everything he did. Until he was about to be prosecuted, and even then he didn't confess to everything. So they have bodies of girls that were murdered in the eighties that they're like, oh, we assume they were a victim of Ted Bundy's. And then there's girls who have been missing since the eighties, and they're like, oh, we assume they're murdered, and Ted Bundy buried them, and we can't find them. And it's it's super creepy. It creeps me out. And. Another thing that kind of freaks me about Ted Bundy is there's no definite number of victims. They have a good i they have an idea, but there's no definite number. Like I said, you go on Utah cold case. There are several women who were, who they've either found a body or they haven't in the 80s, and they just assume they were killed by Ted Bundy because it was around the same time. But we don't know if they were actually killed by Ted Bundy. We don't even know. Maybe some of them are alive. Maybe some of them ran away. It's like a creepy thing. And there's no definite number because he could have done multiple murders and gotten away with it. It's it's a very creepy thing for me. And the other thing that creeps me out about Ted Bundy is he escaped prison not once, but twice. And the second time he escaped prison, he made it all the way from Colorado to Florida and killed three people. One of them was a, like, 12-year-old girl, which that one... Breaks my heart. If you watch the Ted Bundy tapes, the lead detective on that case gets super emotional. I literally bawled. Um, I can't remember her name, but I always will remember her face. Like, I'm talking about it right now, and I can picture her face, but I can't remember her name. But those ones, uh, that one is one that'll stick with me. Ted Bundy was creepy. He was a charmer. I mean, back in the 80s. In Utah, I mean, he's a good-looking guy. He had gotten baptized in the church. You know, would I have been naive enough if I was that age in the 80s to go with that guy because he was charming, and he seemed really nice, and he was good-looking, and you felt safe, and then the next thing you know, you're murdered. And, you know, it's really, really creepy. I literally, I don't think I will ever get over Ted Bundy. But this is just a side note. One day in my high school journalism class, my senior year, for some reason we were talking about Ted Bundy. And my teacher said something that really stood out to me. He said, Everyone always talks about Ted Bundy and everything he's done. But can you name one of Ted Bundy's victims? And that's something that's always stuck with me because a lot of the true crime cases that I talk about and that I know off the top of my head, I talk about the predator. I don't ever talk about the victims. And it's, you know, I made a conscious effort to learn some of the names of the women that were victims of Ted Bundy. Um, The little girl, the 12 year old, her first name's Kimberly. I cannot remember her last name. She's the one that literally I will never forget. I will never forget that picture. 12 years old. Like, uh, it still makes me sick. She was kidnapped by Ted Bundy from her middle school playground. Like, but that's something as I've listened to true crime cases lately. I've tried to be like, let me remember the name of the victim. Let me remember the name of this person. And... You know, because we don't want to glorify the murderer. We want to respect the victims and what they went through. So, yeah. Anyway, there's my spiel on Ted Bundy. Okay, my next true crime case, my second one that has stuck with me, this one. Aw, oh, it sends chills down my spine. I will wake up at night from a cold sweat, terrified of this case. And I know this case top to bottom. I've literally researched it 20 million times. I can tell you the whole story. And I'm going to right now because a lot of people aren't familiar with it. So it's the Ariel Castro kidnappings. Or some people know better as the kidnappings of Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, and Gina DeHases. And we're going to talk about this case for a little bit. So, in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, it's gotta be like 15 years ago, I can't, no, it's gotta be like 20, I can't remember the dates, I can tell you everything that happened, but I can't remember the dates. Anyway, a young Michelle Knight, I think she was 20, 21, she had just lost custody of her son, because her father, her stepfather was... Da, da, da. I don't, he did something. I don't remember that very well. And she needed to go to court to testify, go to family court to get her son back. And she had a friend that was supposed to give her a ride. The friend bailed. And so she started walking because she's like, I have to be there. I have to get my son back. And she loved this kid with all of her heart. So she's on her way to get her kid. She'd stopped at a family dollar to ask for directions to the courthouse and there's this man whose name is Ariel Castro and Michelle Knight was friends with one of his daughters and Ariel Castro's like hey I'll give you a ride I'm going that way anyway I'll just you know ride with me I'll just drop you off at the courthouse and she was so oh my gosh thank you so much I'm in a hurry I really need to get there I really need my son you know da 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 And he gets, she gets in the car and Ariel's driving and he goes, Hey, I have some puppies at my house. I want to show you these puppies. And of course, um, Michelle's like, no, we gotta go. I have to get to the courthouse. And he's like, no, just stop. See these puppies. So reluctantly, she went in the house, went to see the puppies. And he had led her down to the basement. Like, Ooh, the puppies are down here. Anyway, um, He beat her and then chained her up and left her without food, water, everything for days. Lied about the puppies. There was no puppies. I probably should add that. And then he repeatedly abused her and R-worded her. I'm not going to say the actual word because I know... It's a trigger for some people. I'm not going to say it, but y'all know what I'm talking about. He R-worded her, abused her forever. And every time she tried to escape, sometimes he'd like leave her chains unlocked or leave the door unlocked. So she would try to escape. And every time she tried to escape, he would beat her. All this stuff. Anyway, she had been held captive alone for a year. And then a year later, Amanda Berry was working at Burger King. And it was the day before her 16th birthday. And she called her sister to come get her, and her sister couldn't come get her. And so she started walking home. And it was late. She just finished her shift to Burger King. And Ariel Castro came up and asked if she wanted a ride. And she said, Sure, I'd love a ride and he again Amanda knew one of Ariel's kids so she felt safe and he took her to his house lured her with the puppies she got in there um was chained and beaten and r-worded and was put in the bedroom right next to Michelle at this point Michelle was no longer in the basement she was upstairs And I think Amanda was in the basement for a little bit and then taken upstairs. And so at this point, he has Michelle and he has Amanda. And they're in separate rooms, but he's abusing all of them. Both of them are wording them. Just horrible man. And there were a couple times where Michelle had gotten pregnant and he would force her to miscarry. He would starve her, throw her down a flight of stairs, throw a weight at her stomach, all this stuff to make her miscarry because he didn't want her child because she was ugly. Anyway, a year later passes. So he's had Michelle for two years. He's had Amanda for a year. Gina De Jesus is going home from school with one of Ariel Castro's daughters. They were best friends. They're walking home from school. They decide to stop at a payphone and call um, Ariel's daughter's mom. Because Ariel and her mom are divorced. So they call the mom to see if the daughter can go with Gina. Go home with Gina. And she called her mom on the payphone. And her mom said, no, you need to come home. And at that point, they had gone their separate ways. Gina was going to her house. And, um... Ariel's daughter Gina's friend was going to her house anyway Ariel Castro comes up to her after she gets a little bit down the street offers her a ride it's her best friend's dad she felt very comfortable was like yeah sure and she's 14 at this point so she's little and again he takes her to the house lures her puppies come see these puppies and she goes in was chained in the basement and then taken upstairs and she shared a room with Michelle. And he beat her and R-worded her and tortured her and he kept those girls in captivity for 10 years. Giving them very little food. They had no clothes on. They He would give them a TV and if they ever wanted anything from the store, he'd get it to them. But they had no windows, no light. They were chained. Very little food, very little water. They were using the restroom in buckets. They never got to shower. They were just living in this horrible captivity. And he would beat them and arward them every day. And eventually, at one point during the captivity, Amanda got pregnant. And um, Ariel let her have her baby because she's blonde and gorgeous and beautiful. But Michelle had gone pregnant several times, and he always um, forced her to have a miscarriage. Basically, boarded the baby every time. And he let Amanda carry the baby to term, everything. Almost kind of forced her. I don't know if Amanda even wanted the baby. Anyway, Christmas Day, Amanda goes into labor. And I don't know how old Amanda is at this time. I think she's like 20, 21. I could be a little off. Anyway, he forces Michelle to deliver the baby in a plastic pool. And basically tells her, if this baby dies, I'll kill you. And baby came out blue. Michelle got her to breathe. And everything like that. Um, And then at that point, they had a child to take care of. The girl's in captivity. Amanda shared a room with her daughter upstairs, but her daughter wasn't chained. She was free to come and go if she wanted. She would go places with her dad, with Ariel. She would, she wandered the house freely. She could go into the other girl's room. She could go into her mom's room, but, like, her and her mom shared a room. And then Gina and Michelle shared a room, and they were right next to each other. And a lot there was a door, from my understanding, there was a door between the two rooms that you could open so the girls had they could talk to each other. And they did things like, um, they did pretend school for Jocelyn as she got older and everything, to keep it normal and to give this girl a good life because there's no way she could go to actual school. Some suspicion would be raised. And every time Ariel took her out, he said it was his grandkid or oh, it's my girlfriend's daughter, or stuff like that. Anyway, and this whole time, they these girls are trying to find a way to escape. There were times where Ariel would have company over, and the girls would be banging upstairs. And sometimes people could hear him. And he'd just be like, oh, I've got dogs upstairs. They're just being loud. And then he'd go up and beat him for making noise. And he had trained them to basically just let him do whatever he wants, shut up, don't make noise, kind of a thing, right? They were held in captivity. Amanda was held for 10 years. Michelle was held for 11. And Gina was held for nine years in captivity. On May 6th, I think 2015, I only remember May 6th because that's my mom's birthday, Ariel had left the house he just, I don't know, I think he went to go get food, go see his mom I don't know, he left the house and he left the girls unchained upstairs, he didn't lock the door, he left them unchained and he left and Jocelyn went upstairs and told Amanda well daddy's blue truck's not here and she goes What And he? she goes, daddy left in his blue truck. He's going to see grandma. Or what, I, I can't remember if he's going to get food or if he's going to see grandma. And she goes, go search the house. Go make sure he's not anywhere. Maybe he took a different car. And Jocelyn went and searched the house. She came back upstairs. She goes, no, daddy's gone. And Amanda carefully went downstairs. Um held her daughter close and tried to get out the front door but he had boarded up the front door so she could only get her hand out and she's banging on this door she's got her hand out waving she's screaming to people help me help me help me i'm amanda Berry. i've been kidnapped and tortured for 10 years help me out of the get help me get out help me get out And all of these neighbors in this neighborhood run over and help her get out of the house. One of them is Charles Ramsey. Charles Ramsey did a funny news interview. It's actually quite tragic when you understand the story. Anyway, he had helped her get out of the house. They would kicked the bottom of the door, and she was able to crawl out with Jocelyn. And she said, somebody call 911. I'm Amanda Berry. And she had gotten a phone... Called nine one one. You can listen to her nine one one call. She's. You can tell she's relieved. I'm here. I'm free. I'm Amanda Berry. I've been kidnapped for ten years. I'm here. I'm free now. And um, Charles Ramsey called nine one one, and everything like that. And the police came and got Amanda and her daughter. And Amanda's like, there's two other girls upstairs. It's Gina De Jesus and another girl. And. Mm, I didn't add this, I probably should say this, Amanda's family searched for her forever. They put signs out, they did everything they could. Her mom was on national television all the time, getting the word out about her daughter. Her mom actually passed away while she was in captivity, which is very tragic. And then Gina's parents were the same way, Gina's parents were always on TV always getting the word out we're never letting people forget their daughter they wanted to find their daughter michelle's parents when she went missing they were like oh she probably ran away because she didn't get custody of her daughter and let it go like her son sorry not her daughter she didn't get custody of her son and let it go Uh, literally like horrible people like they were like "Oh, she probably ran away whatever and she's literally being tortured so that's cool Anyway, so she's like, Gina Jesus and another girl. And the cops went in the house. They busted the door. They went upstairs. Um, Gina and Michelle were freaking out. They could hear him be like, it's the police. It's the police. You can come out. But they're freaking out. And Michelle comes out of the door And sees that they're officers. And they were freaking out because Ariel had teased him all the time. It's the cops. It's the cops. And then they'd run out and it'd be Ariel and he'd beat him. And so they were like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to get beat. And Michelle's like, stay here, Gina. I'm just going to go out and see what's going on. And she peeked out. And she saw the two cops standing there. And she jumped into one of the officers' arms. You saved us. You saved us. She's bawling. She won't let go of this officer. And then Gina creeps out the door and the police the policeman looks at her and goes, What's your name? And she goes, Gina De Jesus. Georgina De Jesus, her name's Georgina. Um, and he goes, I've been looking for you for almost ten years. And I just found you. Like, this is insane. Anyway, um the girls were taken out, they were taken to the hospital. Gina was reunited with her parents, Amanda was reunited with her sister, um, and she got to take her daughter. And then um, a lot of people helped Michelle. Her Yeah, she did not want to see her parents. A lot of people in the community took her under their wing and helped her. Um, Michelle has some mental problems as well. She had some mental problems before. She was kidnapped by Ariel. I'm sure they were heightened in captivity. I know she was also abused by, her, by men in her life before. So, I mean, tragic. Michelle's had a tragic life. Anyway, um, they ended up arresting Ariel Castro, and they arrested his two brothers, because they're like, there's no way one man could have pulled this all off. And the girls were like, no, no, no. His brothers never did anything. We don't even know them. It was Ariel. And they let the two brothers go, and this whole time, the neighbors had no idea... Ariel would go out and barbecue with him. He'd take the kid. He'd, you know, be all friendly to him. His kids had no idea. His, he never hurt his kids whatsoever. His family, his mother, his brothers had no clue. They were disgusted and terrified when they found out. Um, especially his daughter that was friends with Gina. She was very, very upset. She goes, this whole time, I have held this over my head because I was the last one to see her. And this whole time, my dad's had her and is torturing her. And it's just a tragic situation. Anyway, they had a trial. Um, Michelle testified at the trial. They talked about sentencing him to death. And Michelle testified and said, no, don't sentence him to death. You know, I've gone through 11 years of hell and my hell's finally over. Your hell's just beginning. She wanted him to get the, like, life in prison, but not to be sentenced to death. And Ariel was sentenced to life in prison, I think, plus 25 years. And um, a month into his prison stay, he hung himself in his cell. So he couldn't handle what he had forced those girls to go through for... 10 years he couldn't handle a month of it which is horrific and horrible and anyway they tore his house down in Cleveland everything like that and the girls um I don't know a whole lot about Amanda and Gina they kind of live quiet lives occasionally they'll pop up here and there and talk about what happened But Michelle has changed her name to Lily. And she's married to an awesome guy. Um, She lost custody of her son. Obviously because she didn't show up to court. They put him in foster care. He was adopted. Um, She's never gotten to see her son again. And her son's the one who got her through the captivity. She went every day. Like, I gotta do this for my son. I gotta do this for my son. And then she got out and he was adopted and everything and she struggled with that for a little bit I don't think she's ever gotten to meet him I think they're waiting till he was 18 I don't know how old he is now but um yeah and Michelle's living a good life I assume the other two are living good lives um but it is a horrible tragic nightmaric story. It literally sends chills down my spine when I think about it. I've had days where I've researched the crap out of it. Um there's a... what got me into this story is there's a documentary that Lifetime did. And it was a reenactment. It's um Taryn Uh Taryn, she's from Oranges and New Black. I can't remember her last name. Um, she plays Michelle, and then Raymond Ortiz, I think is his, no, Raymond Ruiz from Breaking Bad plays Ariel Castro, and it was almost kind of a reenactment of what they went through. That documentary shaped me to my core. I literally watched it and then did not sleep for three days. I watched it when I was young. I watched it when it first came out. I think I was Oh, I think I was fifteen. And then I watched it again over quarantine last year and I watched it and I was like, This is one of the crappiest documentaries I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, why was I scared of this? I've seen worse. Like I literally watched like the Ted Bund the Ted Bundy reenactment one is the one with Zach Efron. That one's better than this one. That one's scarier. Like anyway, but um that literally, I have researched that case to death. It scares me half to death that there are men out there who are capable of that. And it makes you wonder how many people are living in a similar captivity. I hope nobody. But it's very creepy to think about. And there was another girl who went missing in Cleveland a year after Amanda And it was like, it was shortly after Amanda, but before Gina. And her name was Ashley Summers. And there's been rumors that Ashley Summers was in that house at one point, but she wasn't obeying, she wasn't, she fought Ariel and everything, and he murdered her, but they, they've never, and buried her in the backyard, but they've never been able to find that. Apparently Michelle had said she was there, but Michelle's mentally not a necessarily reliable source. Um Michelle also said that there were women in the house bef- when she first got there. Um rumor has it they were prostitutes and not people held in captivity. I don't know though. I mean Michelle's a little mentally unstable. She could be dead right. She could be very wrong. Um It's it's a case that literally shakes me to my core uh I I it makes that I will never get over that one. That's my number one true crime case that sticks in my head. Ted Bundy's the second. It's uh it just the fact that somebody has the capability to do that. And then it makes you wonder how many other people do it, you know? And I'm again, like I said earlier, I hope nobody, I hope nobody is living in Ariel Castro type nightmare. But it makes you wonder. And and it heightens my anxiety a little bit. But I'm doing better now that I'm on medication, so I'm handling things better. Anyway, what I've learned is don't accept rides from strangers, even if they're your friend's dad's. A side story. I was going to see... This was... I was like 15, 16. I was going to see my friend in the town right above me it's like 45 minutes away and her dad had come to get me and i thought my friend was coming with her dad no she wasn't and her dad came to get me i rode with her dad up there and i was terrified the whole time i'm like is he gonna ariel castro me he didn't i was fine i made it to my friend's house we had a fun weekend her dad has problems but not those problems we're good. He just has drug problems and other things. And yeah, she doesn't talk to her dad anymore. Anyway, (laughs) I'm not going to go into detail. That's not my story. Anyway, (laughs) um, this is another side note. Um, another similar true crime case to the one that I just talked about. Uh, what is her name? I can picture her face. I cannot remember her name for the life of me. She was kidnapped at 11 and held captive for 15 years. She had two kids in captivity. Um, She had a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome when they found her. It took a long time for her to say who she was once she said who she was. Um, she was reunited with her family, but it's creepy because she'd literally, at that point, been with her captor longer than she'd been with her actual parents. And that's a very similar true crime case. It's really scary. J.C. Do- Jc Dugard, that's her name. That's another one. If I'm not going to talk about that one, but if you want to research that one, that one's really creepy. That one also scares me very much. And she was found only a couple years before the... um the girls in Ariel Castro's house were found, but that one's another one that I'm not as familiar with that story. I know the basics. That's a good one to research if you're into that kind of stuff. That one's also very creepy. Anyway, let's talk about fake crime now, shall we? Scripted crime. Okay, so I am very, very picky with the shows that I watch involving like scripted crime. So, my favorites are Law and Order, SVU is my top. I literally watch that one all the time. Um Olivia Benson is my hero. I love Elliot Stabler, but he leaves halfway through and I'm going to go I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But I love that show. I feel like they handle um those very sensitive topics with a lot of grace and awareness and I feel like it's a show that everyone should watch it's such a good show um I only like SVU though I cannot watch the original Law and Order it is so boring I can't watch it and then Criminal Intent is the same way it is so boring and then there's like other ones that only went on for one season I've never watched those but SVU is my jam however they just did Organized Crime with Elliot Stabler. Elliot Stabler came back and he's doing, and he joined the organized crime task force. And so I'm sure everyone's familiar with SVU, but there was this detective, Elliot Stabler, who was on SVU. He left at the 12th season. They're on like season 21 right now. He just came back and he was on a couple episodes of SVU and um some uh, he had a tragedy happen in his family and he had left the police force for a long time and moved to Rome with his family had come back something tragic happened to his wife his spoiler alert Kathy Stabler was murdered I was not going to say that but I slipped I slept anyway his wife was murdered killed in the car bomb very very sad I love Kathy Stabler um, some people ship Olivia Benson and Elliot Stabler. I'm all about Olivia and Kathy. Like, anyway, I'm very sad that she's dead. Anyway, so he joined the organized crime, he organized, he, da, 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 he joined the organized crime task force to find the person who murdered his wife and bring him to justice. And the whole season, the the season just finished, it follows this man named Richard Wheatley and his crime task force, like he is organized crime underground. He has his kids involved. He killed his father because his father was going to tell on him. And then um, Richard Wheatley's ex-wife, Angela, was like given Elliot clues Her and Elliot made out, which was kind of gross. And then it came out that Angela killed... (laughs) Angela killed Kathy. Spoiler alert. I probably should have said that first. Angela killed Kathy. She planted the car bomb. But she only did so because Richard said that Elliot killed her son. Which was not true. Richard killed her son. So, anyway, at the end of the season, they put Richard and the two kids away. And they they were being arraigned last we saw them they were getting ready to prep for that case um then the fbi pulled richard in because they're like we can use his resources and they ended up getting all the charges dropped except for the murder against kathy because the whole new york police department stood up and was like no you can't let him get away with this Brother officer, you can't let him get away with this. Anyway, he's being charged for Kathy's murder, but nothing else because the FBI saved his sorry about it, which is dumb. It's pretty sad that if you've got resources, the FBI will let it slide, even though you've done horrible things. Anyway, um, it ends on a really big spoiler. I'm not going to say what happens. I already said way too much, but I'm obsessed with organized crime, law and order organized crime. It's on Hulu. If you haven't watched it, you need to go watch it. You need to start with the episode of SVU though, where Elliot comes back and then go watch Organized Crime. But it's so good. I literally am obsessed. I am sad that it's over, but that one's my new favorite and I'm, I'm, I'm about at the point where I'm going to go rewatch it. And I love Elliot Stabler back in action. I've missed him. Now he's back. Anyway, but I also, I still love SVU. And then Criminal Minds, I like Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds is great, but only in short periods of time. Like, I could sit and watch SVU all day and be fine. Like, I can watch probably three episodes of Criminal Minds before I'm like, okay, I feel a little dirty, I need to watch something else, because they get really dark in Criminal Minds. But it's fascinating because Criminal Minds focuses on the psychology like of them of the killer or um attacker, they focus on the psychology to try to find the the attacker it's really it's awesome. I love that show too again, it gets really dark really quick, so I can't watch it for a very long period of time, but I love um. Criminal Minds, I have a friend that watched all of Criminal Minds and I'm like, I don't know how you did that because I have to like take breaks in between but those are my three I've watched like NCIS that's boring, Blue Blood's boring, Chicago Chicago PD, all that crap boring, I'm like SVU, Organized Crime and Criminal Minds, that's it that's all i watch (laughs) anyway, I went on for way too long But I have to add a quick side note. The Criminal Minds episode that is based off of the Ariel Castro kidnappings. That one is very sad. But it is worth watching. And it's also very good. Anyway. I have talked for way too long. I can literally talk about true crime for ages. Or these these scripted TV shows about drama, crime that I love. But I'm going to end it there. Um, thank you for listening to me ramble about true crime. I love true crime. If you want to hear more true crime, let me know. I can talk about some more. I can go into detail about J.C. Dugard If or Elizabeth Smart, another case that I'm really into. I'm more into the kidnappings than the murders. And then there's this unsolved murder of a girl. Um, there was a song written about her. Um, we can talk about her later, too. You guys want true crime, I can give you true crime. Um, I'm not becoming a true crime podcast, though, because I don't want to be in that dark place 24-7. Anyway, but thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you like this, please feel free to follow on Instagram, and Twitter, and TikTok. I've been really into TikTok lately. I'm at Life in Eyes, on all of those platforms... You can also follow my blog, lifeandsavsice.com. I talk about all sorts of stuff over there in written form. So if you prefer to read what I say instead of listen to what I say, you can go over there. Or if you enjoy both, whatever. I appreciate whatever y'all want to do. Um, thank you so much for listening. I love you all. And I will talk to you later. Bye.